Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I am Wesley Clark, and welcome to the Lifestyle by Design podcast, episode 31. And today I have a very special guest, Kim Walcott of Academy Mortgage, located out in Auburn, Washington. And let's just call her the mortgage expert. Now, you're probably asking, well, why, why, Wes, why are you saying she's the mortgage expert? Well, specifically, I've known Kim for many years, and she's helped me with a mortgage, do a refinance. I've referred family members to her. I've referred many of my valued clients to her. And the reason why is her knowledge base and I can trust her. So I needed someone that I could trust and Kim is that person. And I believe if you're looking for a mortgage, uh, whether it's a refinance or some of the other areas we're talking about today, she would be the go-to person that uh, I would refer you to. And so basically what, what, what the purpose of this podcast is, is I believe that I want to be able to help our listeners with uh, gaining a knowledge base or creating a, a greater knowledge base in order to make informed decisions in regards to their mortgage needs. And that's why I've asked Kim uh, to come on and do this interview. So without further ado, welcome, Kim, to the Lifestyle by Design podcast. Glad to have you on. Thank you so much, Wes. And what, what nice words you said. It's uh... It's been amazing to be able to work with you and your clients and your family members over the last 30 years. Absolute pleasure to be here. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. And, and so tell us a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind, just a few words, if you, if you could. Sure. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm a regional manager for Academy Mortgage. I've been with this company now for nine years. I am a grandmother of two, a mother of two, a wife of one. Uh, I live uh, in Lake Taft, Washington, mm. and uh, my hobbies are uh, doing uh, any kind of exercise, yoga, that sort of thing, and just being in the outdoors. Well, great. I appreciate that. Now, one of the things that I think a lot of folks want to know um, let's just use an average homeowner who's had their home for a couple of years. Uh, you're the expert, not me. But when is it a good time to refinance? I mean, is there a is there a difference between what interest rate they're paying and what what are the criteria one would use to determine whether they should refinance or not? Sure. Well, I mean, there's a lot that goes into whether it makes sense or not. Every file is or every transaction, every customer situation is a little bit different. In some situations, even if a client isn't lowering an interest rate, but maybe they want to shorten the term of the loan, meaning they want to go with higher payments. And instead of owing a mortgage for 30 years, they only want to do it for 15 years. That, you know, when people are planning for retirement, they have goals that they want to have their house paid off in a shorter period of time. That might be a case. There could be a case where... Somebody only owes $150,000 on their house and maybe interest rates dropped 1%, but maybe that doesn't make sense because on that low of a loan amount, it might not make sense in refinancing because there are fees that are attached to refinancing. Um, in many cases, 1% when the loan balance is more than 200000 it does uh, it does make sense to refinance because the cost to refinance compared to the savings you have, 
you can recover that investment that it cost you to refinance that maybe you rolled into your loan amount, that invest can, investment can be recovered in the lower monthly payments. The other thing is, is folks, when they uh, are purchasing a home and they don't have 20% down, they're required to have mortgage insurance. So even if maybe the interest rate is slightly lower than what they have, but they're able to do an 80% loan to value, that could be a substantial savings depending on how long they've had the home and what their current equity position is. So there's a lot of different ways refinancing can happen, but that's why it's so important when clients are looking into it that they get the facts and, and that their lender asks what are their long and short-term goals and what is it that they're really trying to accomplish. Well, I think you basically answered my question as the reason why I refer you because uh, that's the confidence I have in you and, and your response is spot on. Uh, one of the other areas that obviously in my industry, uh, you know, people ask me, well, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, is it a good idea, basically, Kim, to consolidate debt from credit cards, loans and and either refinance uh, or get a second mortgage? And, and the reason why I ask that question, because I do want your answer on that, is I think one of the challenges that when I hear of people that do that, there's this temptation to rack up credit cards again on the same cards that they just paid off. So what would you recommend to those listeners who are considering such an option? Yeah, really, really common, uh, very common for people to get themselves into some consumer debt. And as their mortgage payment is dropping, their consumer debt can be going up. Um, and yeah, you do see this be kind of a, a systemic issue where the same clients end up charging the debt and then rolling it into their mortgage. I will say though, beneficial is, it is very beneficial. Uh, it benefits the client in a lot of ways doing this. A, their mortgage interest is tax deductible. Okay. There is no other way to get the lowest possible payment with, uh, paying off consumer debt and rolling it into your loan amount because that's that's amortized over a 30-year period. Okay. Typically, credit cards are going to have a higher interest rate. Many loans do. Second mortgages tend to be interest-only loans. So, you know, as long as the speed of appreciation matches up with their consumer spending, it still is not a bad idea. But what I recommend to most of my clients is I do a side-by-side -side comparison saying, okay, all your credit card debt monthly, you're spending $600 per month, and you've been doing that on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. By rolling this into your mortgage, maybe your payment's only going to go up $100 a month, mm -hmm. but where they can really gain traction is that they continue to pay the $600 that they were paying on their credit card towards the principal reduction of their mortgage and that becomes a really big win-win because they're getting the tax write-off and that, that, that extra payment, their payment is going 100% towards principal, which ultimately will build more equity and pay their loan off much shorter than the 30-year term. Okay. I appreciate that. So when, when they're looking at another question that I think a lot of folks have, and I'm not saying that you have a crystal ball, but when we're looking at mortgage rates, what would be the outlook? I mean, you know, it's kind of like I don't want to be late for dinner and, and miss out on the rates because they're at historic lows. Is it better to look at it that way and, and go ahead? And if you're thinking about refinancing or consolidating or some of the other areas, 
or is it, uh, are there any concerns of mortgage rates going up or I, I well, yeah. Have- um, you know, again, there is no crystal ball and, you know, <laughs> the interest rates are derived by a lot of different things that, that happen within our local, com- uh, 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 economics. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, we never really know what interest rates are going to do, but we do know one thing, and that is that the housing market drives a lot of our economy. And our economy is pretty strong right now, but our housing market, the refinance market, that is helping the economy. So the uh, I guess the forecast that I, the information that I've read and been involved in basically says the interest rates are going to stay where they're at right now, if not maybe even dip in Q2 of 2020, mm-hmm. um, because that is stimulating the economy. That is allowing for people to lower their monthly payments so that there's better consumer spending. There's, you know, so interest rates are one of those things that, you know, uh, a, a, a global crisis can create rates to change drastically, That's right? True. So there's so many things, but the outlook for 2020 is rates will be much of the same, if not a bit lower. Okay. I appreciate that. So now let's kind of switch uh, channels here. So let's just say that you have someone that's a new home buyer. And I guess two, two questions. Well, the question, the major question is what do they need to qualify for a home loan? I mean, what, what is some of the key advice you'd offer them? Okay. So I think the most important part, of the process for a new home buyer is the education piece. And if if they're in the mindset that, hey, I think I want to buy a house, where do I start? Well, they first of all want to start with a lender that is probably referred by somebody. Maybe they have reviews on Zillow, something like that, okay. that you can see they've got a good track record. The second thing is, is that lender should ask usually five solid questions. A, how long have you been at your job? Do you have a two-year work history? B, how are you compensated so we can uh, we can determine what kind of income we can use for their qualifying? B, how have you managed your credit? Do you pay your payments in a timely ma- manner or have you had any issues? The next thing would be, do you have money for a down payment? There are many programs that are out there that are available for no bet down payment, but there are certain guidelines and programs that require that. And then the last one is, are you going to occupy the property or is this going to be an investment home? Those, those questions kind of, they encumber all the things that are required for us as lenders to deliver to the investor. So a two-year work history credit scores in an acceptable range, and that would be 620 or better credit Mm -hmm. scoring, and the ability to qualify with a percent of their income going towards their housing and a percent of their income going out towards debt. And typically, most investors don't want more than 50% of the home buyer's total gross monthly income to go out towards their overall house payment and consumer debt. So there's actually formulas that we run, and it's so imperative that 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 first conversation that we drill down and really try to get as accurate of information about that, uh, those items, 
so that when we lead them down the road of, okay, you can qualify for this amount, it's accurate and real. Okay. Now, to add to that, just for clarification, two things come to mind. When a new home buyer who's never, you know, say it's a couple, they've never ever, they've always rented, they've never purchased a home. Is there a, is there a certain amount of cash that you would recommend that they keep off on the side? Because the thing is, is maybe they go all in and they have no cash if the, they need to replace something or if something needs to be fixed. Is there any, or do you yeah, guys... Yeah, there's 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 a common error in the thought process for clients because I think a lot of clients don't even realize that you don't need twenty percent down. Okay. Um, you, you there are many programs out there now: zero down, three percent, five percent. There are just a plethora of programs that clients can choose, and it's kind of like the answer that I gave you up, up front in regards to refinancing. It really all determined. It's all determined by what what that client situation is. Uh, cash is king in many, many arenas. And with mortgages being the lowest monthly possible payment with the amount of money you borrow, you really do want to leverage that as much as you can. If clients are just keeping absolutely no consumer debt and just saving all their money in their bank mm -hmm. for their down payment, that's not necessarily always the right choice. Again, it determined, it's determined by me what are their long and short-term goals, and then we decide because, Wes, the crazy part, every $10,000 you put down on a house mm -hmm. is only equivalent to about 50 to $55 a month in house payment. Okay. I get it. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I guess what, I, what I'm trying to get at is let's just say the new home buyers, they, they purchase a house, they get the whatever mortgage they get uh, through someone like yourself. But should they not have, for budget purposes, some money off to the side in case three months from now they need to repair the roof? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't yeah. know if there's a rule of thumb for you guys or what you recommend. Well, yeah. So, on many of the first-time home buyers, they don't require that you have reserves mm -hmm. in your account, meaning okay. if you needed 7000 to close and you have 7200 in the bank, we're okay. But many other programs do require that you have more liquidity based on how many properties you owe, based on the top of property that you're purchasing. So there are different guidelines, but you don't necessarily need it. But if I, when I am coaching my clients, I wouldn't feel comfortable if they were down to their last $200 and they just entered in into okay. a new home. So okay. I do look at leveraging, making sure that there is some assets left over so they're prepared. But I do want to tell you one thing. When you purchase a home, one thing that's really nice is you will go a minimum of 30 days before you have to even consider making your first house payment and sometimes as long as 60. Okay. All right. What about, and, and, and last on this particular topic, what is the, I mean, um, certain of your clients need mortgage insurance. Where does that kick in? Do they, is it predicated on how much they put down or what is that? Well, it's again, what type of product or program you're doing. Uh, and how much you're putting down. For example, FHA is a 3.5% down loan, but they have mortgage insurance no matter how much you put down. Okay. But, on a, but on a conventional loan, if you don't have 20% down, then you are required to have some sort of mortgage insurance coverage. Okay. What about, uh, one of the, the questions I have is, 
and, and I've seen this, I've had clients that go to banks and yep. of course I've referred them to you. When some, what, why should someone interested in getting a mortgage or refinancing, uh, you know, use a service like a mortgage company, like Academy Mortgage versus a bank? And I mean, it's not knocking banks, but I'm just saying this is what comes across sure. for some, is a stricter criteria? What is it? Well, um, I mean, I worked for one of the largest banks in the country for 14 years. Um, and I think when I look back at that rate and fee, we're all going to be very, very similar. The bottom line is going to be level of service. I, I like to explain it like there's a big, big ship in the ocean, and that huge ship, it takes a really, really, really long time to turn the boat, right? Right. And then you have a tugboat that's much more efficient. It can turn quickly and navigate through the waters a little bit quicker, right? right. Well, that's kind of the same thing when it comes to the big banks compared to mortgage banking companies is mortgage banking uh, companies, they only focus as, our only focus is doing home loans. So what happens there is we're very proficient. Uh, the sense of speed is, is, is typically almost going to be twice as fast. The, uh, level of service that you get is likely going to be a lot better because the majority of veteran lenders work for mortgage banking firms as opposed to banks that focus on a plethora of different programs whether it's car loans or equity loans or so your your level of experience for the originator in those banks is likely going to be more of an order taker they're not going to have that same field of expertise as well as the process is going to take quite a bit longer because there's going to be a little more red tape to get through their system than they would for just a mortgage company that all they do is is a home loan okay that's a great response so now I want to talk about something like, let's say there's somebody that's retired or maybe they're close to retiring. And what can you tell us about reverse, uh, excuse me, what can you tell us about reverse mortgages? Are they a, a good option for someone who's retired and has a lot of equity in their home? Yeah, the, the, I mean, the reverse mortgage is 100% put out for folks that are, uh, and I hope I get this right over the age of, gosh, I, I didn't look that up. I should have said, I think 68, but I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. um, but reverse mortgage loans are for folks that don't have a lot of income coming in, but they have a ton of equity sitting in their home. So they're not going to qualify for a traditional mortgage because their debt to income ratio is going to be. And it's going to be too high and all that equity is sitting in their home, but they don't have a way to getting it unless they sell it. And many of these folks have lived in their homes for many years. So a reverse mortgage is basically exactly what it says that the, the, the equity of the home becomes income and basically becomes a larger loan balance based off what they use from the equity of their home for whatever it is they want, surviving, for having the money at home to be more liquid. But it is, and it is a very specialized program. So like at Academy, we have a reverse mortgage specialist so they can give that one-on-one -on -one attention to the seniors so that they completely understand what they're getting into. But this can be really a savior for families and for the folks that own the home that just don't have access to it. Yeah, that was going to be my next question was uh, who, if you had somebody there and, and it sounds like you have specialists for that. 
So let's absolutely. Let's, let's just uh, say now, if if somebody listening to this podcast is out of the state of Washington, can you only service people that are, are in Washington State, or can you do out of state? Oh, absolutely, can do out of state. We have over 1,100 originators in um, our company at Academy all across the nation. But we have many originators in Washington that are nationally licensed because you have to be licensed in the state of which you're doing business. Mm -hmm. But we have many originators licensed in California. For example, I'm licensed Washington, Arizona, and um, Oregon. Uh, but, But we have many folks that are licensed in California, Nevada, so on and so forth. So if somebody wanted to say they were living in um, Texas, they could they yep. could contact you and you could refer them to somebody uh, maybe that might have an uh, action mortgage there in Texas then? Would that be correct or not? Yeah, with that, without a doubt. I have contacts uh, all across the country because I am the regional manager. And so I've made some great contacts where, uh, the, re- where the referrals come in. I make sure that they've been handled and taken care of very well. That way I continue to use them as a resource in the future. Okay. And then what's the best way for someone, one of the listeners to contact you to discuss the options we talked about today? I mean, if you Google Kim Wolcott, K-I-M-W-O-L-C-O-T-T, the first thing that's going to come up is Academy Mortgage Kim Wolcott. And on there, there are links to email me. There's my contact phone number. My cell phone is 206-999-2854. But I'm and uh, Zillow is another way you can find me. I'm all over the internet. And even if you Googled Academy Mortgage and looked up my name, you'd be able to find me that way. Okay. Well, uh, I'd like to thank you for doing this interview today, Kim. And I encourage our listeners to contact Kim if you have any interest in any of the areas that we discussed today. And Kim, I, I really thank you for uh, joining us today. Wes, I, I appreciate so much being a part of your team and you're an amazing guy. And I appreciate you handling my investments. You've been with me a long time and I couldn't be happier. All right. Without further ado, that's it for Lifestyle by Design podcast and everyone take care. Good night.